Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2332. Oh boy, The Siege is chapter 12 of The Mandalorian, or season 2 episode 4, if you will. And quite the slam-bang way to end the first half of the second season. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, the siege involves the Mandalorian and the child returning to Navarro and we get to see Navarro after the events of season one of the Mandalorian. Now, I guess I should stop here and just double check and let you know that this is a full spoiler episode. So if you've not watched the episode yet and don't want to spoil it for you, well, you know how this works. So the main town on Navarro where Grief Karga serves as magistrate and Cara Dune now serves as marshal has been flourishing since the events of chapter eight. In other words, season one, episode eight of The Mandalorian. And what we also know is that there is a statue of IG-11 in what appears to be the town square and the bar has been turned into a school. What a beautiful, beautiful turnaround for this whole situation. But there's a problem, of course. There is an Imperial base on Navarro and it apparently has just a few skeleton crew people on it. At least that's what we are led to believe at the start. Oh boy. <laughs> Is that wrong? And they have beautiful ambitions for this, Grief Karga and Cara Dune do, with getting rid of that base and being able to have Navarro serve as a trade anchor for the entire sector. They are really trying to do terrific things. They are trying to do like economic development for this sector of the Outer Rim, which is tremendous. And it's the kind of thing that the New Republic apparently isn't able to do because they're just too far out from the core worlds. It's just they can't handle it at this point. So the locals are actually trying to do what they can to lift everyone up. And to take the edge off the seriousness of the proceedings, we have Horatio Sands returning as Mithril, the character that the Mandalorian took in for a bounty way back in the very, 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 very beginning of this whole series. So they get to the joint and it turns out it's not just a base, it's a laboratory. And we have a lot to unpack from this whole business because it is clear, first of all, that there's a lot of information there, which unfortunately the heroes did not get a heck of a lot of. They were trying to delete drives and then they tried to destroy equipment, but then... They didn't have much time to look at any of the stuff because the base was already about to be destroyed by lava and they were being chased by stormtroopers and blah, blah, blah. But it is clear that some sort of either cloning operation or midichlorian transfusion operation or combination of both is happening. And this is what 
is going on at the behest of Moff Gideon. We have the fun return of Dr. Pershing via hologram to tell us more about what may have been going on. Obviously, there's still a lot to learn, but they were taking blood from Baby Yoda. That's what was happening in Chapter 3 back in Season 1. And they have exhausted their supply, and there's a reference to an M count, which could only be midichlorian count. Yeah, it could be something else, but really, come on. What is it going to be? And it sounds like they're trying to do transfusions of midichlorian-laced blood into people who are not blessed with midichlorian blood or midichlorian-infused blood. And so this opens the door to conversation about Rise of Skywalker and about the experiments that Palpatine was having done on his behalf to try to create a new body that he could go into. And I would say that Moff Gideon has the kind of zealotry, here we are talking about zealotry again, that Allegiant General Pride has in The Rise of Skywalker. It's that same devotion and dedication to the Empire and wanting to see it succeed at all costs, right? And across decades if necessary. So it's that same kind of situation. And so... Would it be altogether surprising that Moff Gideon might be involved in something like this? Uh, not entirely, but you know, it's certainly secretive what Palpatine is doing off in the unknown regions. And yet, and yet, you know, an opportunity like this, could it really be passed up? I don't know. I guess they would try to get Yoda to the unknown regions if they could. But we may be jumping really far ahead of ourselves as far as that discussion goes. What Pershing makes clear in his hologram situation is that they've run out of Baby Yoda's blood on supply and that they need to grab the donor back and get more blood if they're going to continue the experimentations that they're working on. And so that seems to be the driver for Moff Gideon wanting Baby Yoda, but what these experiments really are is still up for question. There is a shot at the end with Moff Gideon looking at these chambers and it sort of looks Death Trooper-ish, but it's kind of hard to tell uh, what's going on there. And certainly the tanks that we see at the lab are really weird and they almost look similar to the tanks that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker with all the Snoke body parts in a way, but undifferentiated, like not nearly as clear by comparison. But I'll throw one other idea out for consideration, which is the fact that the Darksaber is a lightsaber, and lightsabers are usually, usually wielded by people who are Force-sensitive. Obviously, that's not always the case, and certainly some Mandalorians who have wielded the Darksaber have not been Force-sensitive, have not been Force users. It's possible, I suppose, that Moff Gideon himself could be trying to figure out a way to become a Force user with these experiments of midichlorian-infused blood being transfused into other you know, patients, volunteers, subjects, whatever you want to call them. Obviously, still a lot to learn about that whole scenario, but man, this was quite an amazing drop for an episode that should have just been the Mandalorian getting his ship repaired, you know? I mean, they really took advantage of the opportunity to further Moff Gideon's storyline and what is happening with this whole bigger arc. So, well done, and also, this is 
the first episode of the show to be directed by Carl Weathers and well done for a very complex episode in terms of all the action, all the visual effects and all that stuff. Like really well done. There is one element that was intriguing by its absence, which I will explain in just a second. First, though, just a quick shout out again, as I've done in the last couple of episodes for feedingamerica.org to find a local food bank, local food pantry in your area. There are a lot of people who are hurting and could really use food assistance in this particular time, especially in this holiday time. So I hope that you will take a moment to check out feedingamerica.org, look for a local food pantry or food bank in your area and donate what you can. So what's noticeable by its absence is the activity in the former Mandalorian covert stronghold, right? So the armor is not apparently there. The whole armory, the smelter, like all of that seems to be shut down and it's being taken over by scoundrels and criminals and whatnot and used as a hiding spot to split loot that they're stealing and so forth. So you would imagine that if the armorer was still down there that she would not have tolerated this kind of incursion whatsoever, which suggests that she is no longer there. Whether she survived the events of chapter eight, yeah, that remains to be seen, but I can't imagine a world where she didn't survive. I mean, it makes perfect sense that she would have. As to whether any other Mandalorians from the Covert survive, we still don't know the answer to that either, and she didn't even know when we saw her last at the end of Season 1. But the fact that the armor isn't there is kind of fascinating, but I'm certain that we will see her again in future episodes. And that is where we are going to finish with the briefing on The Siege, which is chapter 12, aka season two, episode four of The Mandalorian. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show here as well. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Sun by Summon is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.